Good morning. Nice to see you all. Um, we started a series um, two or three years ago, I think, called God's Bailout Package. came as a result of our wonderful uh, September, you know, our 909 uh, instead of 9-11, it's 9-09, as in 9-08, I don't know what it was. Anyway, it was a tough fall for our country and for the world economically, and uh, there have continued to be significant repercussions uh, from that. I talked to a fairly significant Wells Fargo banker this week, and he said, I heard in a report that maybe it's sort of like getting better. <laughs> So I don't know, we could get a report from Joy and her organization or whatever, but um, I suspect that most, if not all of us, have been impacted at some level uh, by these circumstances. And our goal for uh, touching on these financial materials was to help us as a people have a better understanding about God's ways related to finance, because there's a sense that if we follow his pattern and his plans, then what happens around us in the world may not be as significantly impactful for us, and perhaps maybe we'll even have some help for others. So a key passage that um, we have looked at on numerous occasions throughout this uh, two or three years has been, uh, it's only been a couple of months, so I'm being playful. Um, key passage is Second Corinthians. Uh, chapter 9, verses 8 and 11. Um, the whole chapter is on finances and on kingdom principles and finances. And we have um, spent some time looking at this particular passage as a picture of what God wants for our lives. Let's read that. And God is able... To make all grace come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. As it is written, he, the benevolent person, scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. And God, who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating, will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. Thus, you will be enriched in all things and in every way so that you can be generous and your generosity will bring forth thanksgiving to God. Now, every time I read uh, that passage, there's two primary thoughts that pop into my head. Wow, wouldn't life like that be awesome? And wow, my life is so far from that. (laughs) So in an effort to help us move towards life like that, we have covered a variety of topics over the weeks. 
most of these talks are posted on our Vineyard uh, essay website and are available for you to download and listen to if you miss them or if you want to listen to them again. Uh, the first week, we talked about spirit and truth in finances. Then we talked about the power behind money, and in a few weeks later, we talked about encouraging us to denounce the spirit of mammon. Then we talked about two competing economic systems, the world's economic system, which operates under the power and ways of Satan and functions on the basis of buying and selling or at its extreme, taking and clutching, and compared to God's economic system, which operates under the power and ways of God and functions on the basis of receiving and giving. Um, One of the talks asked us to consider what do we treasure. Uh, Another was entitled Sparrow Faith. And it asked us to consider who or what is our provider or source. And we suggested that it isn't our boss. It isn't the U.S. government. If you're receiving Social Security, it's God. And that he uses a variety of means to accomplish that. And that it makes a huge difference if we see our boss or employer as our source or if we see God as our source. One of the talks uh, we gave was on the understanding of closing the circle and living within the circle of God's provision and blessing. And I'm going to touch on that again today as a part of what I'm doing. And then we introduced from this Corinthian passage uh, four biblical uses of money that are identified there. The first, uh, Paul said, seed for the sower, uh, which we taught about as being the tithe. Uh, Secondly, a, a biblical use of money is bread for eating. Um, the provision for our personal needs. Thirdly was multiplication of resources for sowing. And then fruits of righteousness, uh, generous giving. And Melissa and Stephen touched on those topics this past uh, two weeks ago. This week I want, as a part of this um, series, to talk about dealing with debt. And um, I feel that though it doesn't follow exactly in track with a variety of these, we don't see it mentioned in the Corinthian passage, um, I feel it's a significant hindrance to our ability to see 1 Corinthians 9 happen. And So I want to touch on some elements with that. I think most of us have heard uh, teachings on what the Bible has to say about money, uh, the tithe, giving. Uh, Less of us, I think, have heard much about debt and lending. We've heard it from people like Dave Ramsey, Larry Burkett, and others in the past. Um, I can't say that I've ever sat under uh, a teaching in a church that would touch on this topic. Um, Interesting to me as I uh, worked on this, that the Old Testament has some real, real, real clear instructions about lending. Less so on debt. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the procedures and patterns for God for lending totally change the whole aspect of debt, at least according to God's ways and among his people. Let's just look at four uh, passages (laughs) It looks, they go from two lines to three to six to eight. So these four passages, they're going to get a little longer each time. Uh, Exodus 22, verse 25. If you lend money 
to my people, to the poor among you. You are not to act as a creditor to him. You shall not charge him interest. Pretty clear. It's talking about among God's people. The Israelites in that time, we probably should extend that to Christians in this season if we were going to apply this. If any Israelite, oh, Leviticus 25, 35 through 37, similar but slightly different. If any Israelites living near you become poor and cannot support themselves, you must provide for them as you would for a hired worker. Do not make them pay interest on the money you lend them and do not make a profit on the food you sell them. We had touched on this passage previously, but I believe in the context I had left out that first verse and missed the context of the aspect of not receiving profit for selling food. I think at that time I perhaps had misled us. I think I was misled at least. Maybe I didn't do it to you into thinking that they weren't to uh, have profit on the sales of produce. But I believe in this context it's clearly saying for those who are poor, for those who are unable to support themselves, you can sell them food. It doesn't say give it to them. It says you can sell it to them, but you're not to make a profit. So it costs. Again, an interesting factor. And it talks about lending to this poor person, not just giving. So I think there must be, again, some, some understandings behind all this. Primarily, there he's, the text is addressing the lender and our responsibilities. But that debtor side is somewhat, somewhat quiet. But we're going to hear what happens to that side in the next verse. Now from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Say that in Spanish three times real fast. Yep, Marianne can. At the end of every, Deuteronomy 15, 1 through 3. At the end of every seven years, you must cancel all debts. This is how it is to be done. Every creditor shall cancel the loan he has made to his fellow Israelite. He shall not require payment from his fellow Israelite or brother, because the Lord's time for canceling debts has been proclaimed. You may require payment from a foreigner, but you must cancel any debt your brother owes you. Now, this is wild. It's just flat out bizarre. In the previous passage, we saw, okay, somebody can't make ends meet, uh, so we lend them money, but... When seven years rolls out around, it's canceled. No bankruptcy. No payment plan. No consolidation plan. It's all wiped out. I'm not sure really how to fully apply that in our setting. Most of us aren't lending to very many I think probably most of us that I'm familiar with in our congregation have given when they know of a need. And I think at some level we're sort of tying that all together into one 
lassoing it and, and just simply giving. But for some reason, and probably it's, I don't know, I'm speculating, the text does not say, I'm, I'm wondering if it's for the, uh, um, I don't know the word, for the, the integrity and value of the individual. Instead of being a uh, welfare case, I'm using sarcastic language, <clears throat> that's always getting, 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 there is, um, boy, I wish I could, I'm not coming up with the word I'm thinking of, but an honorableness that they're borrowing with the intent to pay it back that that is their heart and their hope and their commitment. Now, again, on the debtor side, they may be counting the number of months or years till, you know, the uh, not the year of Jubilee, which was every 70 years. What Anyway, I, I couldn't actually find a word for this every seven year other than the seven years when debt needs to be released. But anyway, again, another passage, um, um, a few more verses later in this same chapter in Deuteronomy 15. If there is a poor person among your kinsmen, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Be careful, talking to the lender, not to harbor this wicked thought. The seventh year, the year for canceling debt, is around the corner so that you do not show ill toward the needy one and give them nothing. Doggone it, it's next year. If I give them 500 bucks, they may not be able to pay it back. Sorry. Ask me in a year and a half. No, again, God is being really clear with the heart of the lender here. The seventh year, the year for canceling debts is near. So if you were to do that, they may then appeal to the Lord against you and you will be found guilty of sin. Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Jesus quoted this. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your kinsmen and toward the poor and needy in your land. So he is, he's just now brought out, again, the, the foreigner. We are not only to be open-handed toward Christians, if we might, in a broad sweep, call that our kinsmen, but also towards all the poor and needy. Those are... Four passages that are real clear for God's principles for lending that I believe we need to be wrestling with. We have some poor among us in the kinsmen of our congregation. And there have been efforts to identify biblical pattern and God's heart uh, prayerful consideration by many, and I'm aware of uh, lots of money over time that has been released in many applications. But I don't. I, I still would advocate that we we probably need to wrestle more with these ideas. Now I'm not primarily wanting this morning to address lending. I'm primarily wanting to address debt. 
But these verses, I think, remind us that God's economic system is based on giving and receiving. And it's about love and care. Whereas the world system is always based on buying and selling. It's about making a profit. It's about getting ahead. So as we look at these verses, I think it is easy to make the step to say that this whole arena of God's ways related to finances is first and above all, as it is about everything, our hearts. And I would say that would be true for the lender as well as the debtor, as well for the one who has much and the one who is more needy. What's in our hearts? What's happening in our hearts? There are situations that God is using to transform and change us into the image of his son. And while I think personally my theology for uh, negative circumstances is is that they are a part of the fall and the, the world system of Satan's domain and rulership, it's obvious at some level that God allows those trials And James would advocate for us that when we experience them, whether we are experiencing them as the one who is needy or as a near one to a needy one, we are to consider those challenges a joy because they have the potential for allowing us to be transformed into whole and complete people. So I would advocate as we consider, as we personally walk through our challenges, whether it be to um, see 1 Corinthians 9 uh, fully implemented, whether it's we're way behind the eight ball relative to our own debt and what we're carrying, uh, our, our career situation, that God is wanting to transform us, that he is doing something And the something he's doing is promised to us by Paul that he is able to bring good. Sometimes I wonder if that good isn't in heaven rather than on earth. But Jesus even said in Matthew that the good is supposed to come on earth. So I think we need to be wrestling with these things. I, I mean, I think we are, but I think we need to continue to do that. If we lived in... The Old Testament system of debt and lending, as I've already said, there wouldn't be bankruptcy. There wouldn't be need for welfare. In that kind of system, debt would not have the same impact or cost that it does in the world's economic system. So while debt does not appear to be condemned as wrong or sinful in the Old Testament, That's based on the Old Testament system, not the system that we're all living in. A system, yes, we can implement with those around us that we can take charge in. However, we face the fact that we're living in the world's economic financial system and debt in that system is very costly. Let's talk about that for a moment. Let's talk about the cost of debt in the world system. 
Some of you, this may be old information or unnecessary information, and if so, I am so thrilled for you. I'm really happy for you, and I, I am aware of some in our congregation where this is the case. And what that does is gives you the opportunity to be those who help the rest. I think we recognize that in the back of our minds, we know that debt interest is costly. But I also believe that because of the spirit of mammon and the deception that many of us live under, we really don't grasp or consider that cost. So I want to do just a couple of examples. You've probably heard these kinds of things. If you're younger here, you probably haven't. And maybe these will help you as you enter your 20s or 30s. Uh, rather than us folks that are in our 50s already and having experienced this fairly significantly. So let me just give you a picture on a few instances of the cost of debt. Let's take a small house loan, $100,000. It's a small house here in town. They are purchasable. Uh, They're not in the best neighborhoods, and they don't look and smell the best, but they can be a very livable home. $100,000, 6% interest. Monthly payment would be $599.55. If you take that times 12 months, times 30 years, you're going to pay $215,838 for that home. That's not property taxes nor insurance. I'm talking about just the cost of the principal and the interest. All right, let's do a college loan. Current Stafford loan is 6.8%. So let's take um, 30000 I don't know what school you're going to go to. I'm familiar with some who walked away from college much less than that, some that much more than that. Let's just take that as a number. Got to have one to start with. 30000 6.8% interest. They can be paid off these days, some of them. With I don't know what the rules are. I didn't read a lot about it. But as much as 15 years, you can spread it out. It's 30 on some, I'm being told. On a 15-year, you want to get it done a little sooner. $30,000, 6.8% interest, 15 years. The monthly payment would be $266.31, basically equivalent to a reasonable car payment, just as a reference. Uh, $266.31 times 12 months times 15 years. That $30,000 loan is going to cost you an additional $17,938, or a total of $47,938. As well as the lack of ability to be able to do other things because of the, the um, what's the word for that? The level of debt you're carrying? There's a fancy word. Your debt load, debt to income ratio, all those fancy things. Okay, car loan. Frost Bank is currently offering a 6% 60-month new car loan and There was until Friday a uh, clunk, turn in your clunkers and get $4,500 from the U.S. government. I mean, it didn't even cross my mind. Hmm, guy, $4,500, we could take Benjamin's car, drag it down there, (laughs) buy some new car for seven or eight thousand that, you know, really, really cheap, you know, Korean something, but brand new car, right? And uh, have a debt of a couple grand. Anyway, we, they, it, it gave, they spent a billion dollars. Enough people went down and did that last week in seven days that a billion dollars of $4,500 clunkers got paid. I don't know what its end result's going to be, but a, a few car dealerships got a little bit ahead, I suspect, as a result. Anyway, okay, sorry. Frost Bank, 
Currently 6%, 60-month new car loan because we need them as cheap as possible. $20,000, just a, a nice new car. I mean, you could do the math on a, on a used car at 12 or whatever. I did this on new. 6% interest, 60-month. Monthly payments, 386.66, a uh, little bit more than the uh, school loan. That times 60 months is $23,199.60. That one doesn't seem so bad to me. I don't know why. I don't know if I did wrong math on that one or what. Um, but the, uh, uh, yeah, the five years is the big deal there. Five years compared to 15 or 30. And, and that's going to come into play in something I'm going to touch about on in a minute here. But going back to that new house, or not that used house, Listing at 100,000. Can you imagine if the documentation from the realtors said, um, special deal, this $100,000 house is for sale today for $215,838. Come and get it. Or on the front end, yes, <laughs> zero interest. We don't, we don't think about this. It, it happens to all of us, so at some level we just simply turn it off and we just say, I'm going to pay that. It's, it's part of the package. Everybody does that when they buy a new car. Everybody does that when they buy a house. Everybody does that when they have their school loan, so no big deal. I'll just look at But But I think it's, there's a problem with that in that time and time and time again, as we overload, we find ourselves um, in trouble. Credit card debt is a little harder to see and measure because we often use them, you know, kind of as revolving credit. You know, we buy a few things, we pay a little bit off, we buy a few more things, pay a little more off. And it's kind of hard to know what you paid for that jacket or pair of shoes that way. But let me try a scenario and uh, just give us an idea. Um, you know, somebody wants a new big screen TV. They're really, really nice. Um, they bought it a year and a half ago when they were still a little bit too expensive, $2,000, let's say, you know, including sales tax, just a nice even $2,000. Um, like most Americans, they're living from paycheck to paycheck, so they put it on their credit card, and when the credit card bill comes, they're only able to pay the minimum payment, which on many cards is 3% of the balance. Um, because of... Previous poor credit choices, uh, they have a really high interest rate of 20%, which is out there and, and being charged uh, these days. 17 and 16 is still out there as well. And there are the 8% and the 4 and the 0% interest when you, they're not around. I'm being so sorry. I haven't, I haven't used credit card debt for a while. So I'm just um, using some reference points to start with. 20 is, is high, but that is, it is, a re- it is a number that's used for people who are in trouble. Let's just start there and say that. All right, payment on that is a walloping $60 a month, 2000 bucks, 60 bucks. I can make that payment, no big deal. It's, it's the 3% of the remaining balance. The principal repayment of that 60 on that you know, second payment there is $26.67. Kathy, I should have you do this stuff, aren't you? The, yeah, the, yeah. Anyway. Um, the interest then, uh, the remaining of that $60 payment is $33.33, which leaves a balance after the first month of uh, $1,973.33. Uh, 
And um, these then, if, if all you do is pay minimum balance on that 2000 just set. Are you, have you already moved ahead? No. Okay. Good. Um, in the end, this person is going to pay $4,240 in payments over 15 years to pay for that $2,000 credit card debt for the big screen. The interest they paid over the 15 years by itself was $2,240, which is more than the cost of the machine. Now, we don't think of that. Let's just be real. We just don't think about that. We see the $2,000, you know, but... I, again, the challenge is, is that as Americans, we've gotten into some trouble with debt. I didn't use it, um, but I had the, uh, I was going to do a graph of the uh, U.S. national debt. It's currently at $11 trillion. I mean, I did, did look at what it is today. And, you know, back after World War II, it was like, you know, $2 billion something. You know, now we're at 11 trillion. Anyway, I also read this statistic while I was reading and surfing uh, the net. Um, I'm sure it was a reputable uh, website. It appeared to be to me anyway. Um, Said that the average family in America has a credit card balance in excess of $4,000. The average family's carrying a a regular credit card debt of $4,000, and they're paying $800 a year on credit card interest. How could you use $800 a year? Pay off the credit card. Yeah, right. It's not working very well. Okay, so our topic is dealing with debt. So I want to show you a real powerful step that you can take in dealing with debt. Again, you older, wiser folks, you know all about this, but I'm, I'm trying to help my, da- my own daughters here at this moment. I've never actually done this research this clearly. Got to know about debt here. And maybe the rest of you can use this information to share with your kids or friends if you think perhaps they're... I mean, where do you go to get a class on this? Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey will work and some of those, but not school. I mean, there is one. I mean, somewhere in there, maybe, you know, somewhere. But who takes it? You know, I mean, you know, beginning financial business. I mean, high school, I'm confident there are high school classes. But who pays any attention in high school to financial debt and credit card issues? You kidding? Give me a card. I'm ready to go. Sorry, that was a sweeping generalization. I'm sorry. Okay, but let me, let me give you uh, something that I think as, as startling as those previous elements were, so is this one. I shared with you about... <coughs> Boy, I meant to cough and I lifted the thing right into my mouth. Sorry. Get the Lysol spray out. Um, we talked about a $2,000 credit card debt, 20% interest, a uh, person making only the minimum payment. It's going to take 15 years to pay off the debt, um, and they're going to spend an additional 2240 And the TV, yeah, fi- yeah, 15 years? Oh, it's long gone. You've already gotten two more since then, <laughs> and you're still carrying the debt on those. I, I, you know, cars, the same. Anyway, it, it, it's, it's wild out there. We wonder why we're in trouble. But here's a, here's a trick. Instead of the minimum payment of 3%, the 60 bucks, you make $10 more per month. Just 10 bucks. Not $100, 10 bucks, $70 payment. 
You're going to pay off the debt in seven years instead of 15. And you're only going to pay $1,276 in interest rather than the $2,240, which is a savings of $1,000, $964. So your TV now only costs $3,276 instead of $2,000. I mean, the best trick is don't buy it on credit. I mean, okay, we're clear on that. But this issue of the minimum payment, the number of years, you do a car loan at five years, or you do three years instead of five years, those issues are just as startling on that side as they are when we don't do those kinds of things. Let's go to the house loan. $100,000 house, 6% interest, monthly payment, five nine nine fifty five. If you do the minimum payment, 12 months, 30 years, you're going to pay $215,838. If, however, and you've heard this, I suspect, if you make one additional payment per year, your payment's 600 make just one of those a year or 50 bucks a month. I mean, 50 bucks is a lot more than 10, but if you can get your house in order and be able to do a little more, the end result is significant. One additional payment, 650 bucks a month, you're going to pay the loan off in 25 years instead of 30. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, five years, it'd be nice. But the total cost is now $192,020, which is a savings of 23, almost $24,000 by paying an extra $50 a month. That's a lot of money. You could buy yourself 23000 Over 25 years, you could buy a couple TVs with cash once the house is paid off because you didn't have enough to do anything more than the original 50. But 25 years later, and I'm, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint that scenario for you as well, but that's coming a little bit later. Okay, so the trick here is... You know, not to have to use credit at all, simply paying cash. But if, if you're already sitting there with debt incurred, the trick is to pay more than the minimum payment. With interest, a little bit goes a long way on either side of the coin. A little bit more paying off gets the thing done faster with lots less money. Um, yeah, and the other side is crazy. Okay, every one of us here in this room is in a different place financially. But if you're the average American, perhaps even the average American Christian, I suspect these things are true. You work hard, and many of you have more than one job. Secondly, you're having a hard time paying your bills. Thirdly, you're carrying quite a bit of consumer debt. If you're under 40, you probably still have school loans. Also, you're probably not tithing 10% of your income back to God. And you're not free to give to those with financial needs because you are financially needy. Now, this is a pretty similar situation that God's people found themselves in back during the time of Haggai, the prophet. A verse I have also read during this series before. Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have planted much, but have little to show for it. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. 
You put on clothes but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. I think that is a very clear picture of the current American consumer person. And a significant culprit of that is debt interest, loan interest, credit card debt, consumer interest. That is not what God wants for us. God's plan for us, as described in 2 Corinthians that we read earlier, says that God is able to make all grace come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Then you will be enriched in all things and in every way so that you can be generous and your generosity will bring forth thanksgiving to God. That's what Christians are supposed to look like in our society today. And we don't. We're caught living in the world's economic system rather than God's. We have got to make, we have got to consider our ways. And we need to look and understand God's ways and to implement change. For those of you who are young, who are not yet carrying $30,000 worth of student loans and $20,000 worth of credit card debt, listen, there are other ways to go than the way the world presents it. So how do we get there? How do we get there? Where do we start? You start by what we're calling closing the circle. Closing the circle is about answering the question, how much is enough? And I'm going to run through fairly quickly again this uh, plan for closing the circle, just to remind you, and perhaps others weren't here then. Okay, here's what closing the circle involves. First, it involves doing the hard work of tracking your income and expenses over several months so that you can get an understanding of how much you're earning and how you're, how you're spending your money. Maybe you already know this, but again, most Americans don't. They get a paycheck, and it's gone, and they have credit card debt. The output's higher than the input. They're in trouble. That's all they really know. And the, 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 uh, their money's not working for them. You know, they're working for their money. So a first step in closing the circle is to know what is happening. Where, what's the income look like? Where's it coming from? And where's it going? The second step involves running some totals and averages on those records of income expenses to prepare for looking at them. The third step involves categorizing the expenses on your list, whether you use an Excel spreadsheet, whether you use a piece of paper, whatever you want to do, but you take that list then of expenses that you have run, been running over the last three months, three months, four months, whatever, and you then prioritize them according to obligations. You've got to pay this or you're going to you know, get thrown in jail or kicked out of your house or whatever. There's, there's some uh, elements of that list that are obligations. Many of them are necessities. Food is not an obligation. You can cut down your food bill or you can starve 
or whatever, but it's a necessity. It's not an obligation. I would make a distinction. And then let's be realistic. An awful lot of the things on that list are wants. I like my um, halfy. What's the Valero doing now? 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Half price on on soda drinks. Halfy hours. So my my great big 88 ounce thing now instead of a dollar 96 is 75 cents. You know that. Mm. Oh yeah, she goes with me. And she's seen me pay the 75 cents. And then I'm good for a week. That's all I need. You know that much soda? Just I'm 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 good for a week. Anyway. Okay, that's a want. Eating out's a want. Uh, a nicer car is a want. Uh, a nicer wife. I mean, um, it is a want. Don't you? Yeah, nicer wife things. Good, good. Thank you, thank you. Get me out of trouble there. Okay, so you identify the. Just got to keep you awake and you know, helping me out here. Obligations, necessities, and wants. You look at the average monthly expense, and then you lay this thing on the table, and you say, God, what do you think? What do you think of this number that I'm spending on car? God, what do you think of this number I'm spending on uh, housing? What, God, what do you think of this number for, for food? What about clothes? No, let's not look at that one, God. I'm leaving that one off the list. Okay. Let's, um, uh, half the hours. No, let's not look at that one either. You ask God. You've got this list. You say, God, what do you think? Now, this process of closing the circle requires a relationship with God. It's great when you can have someone help you who also hears God. Spouse is nice. Might be a kid if you're a single mom, you know, an adult child. It might be a good friend, accountability partner. It's helpful to have someone else. Because, you know, when, you, when it's just you listening to God, you've got no one to confirm that. You said you said the sodas are okay. Cool. No, they might. I don't know. And again, here's the issue. I'm not telling you how much is enough. Nobody can tell you that but God. He's your only primary accountability partner. But we've got to involve him. And that's something we often don't do. Okay. So you get these numbers. This is step three still, right? We're still on. Yeah, the, you get these numbers. Um, one of the obligations, in my opinion, that needs to be in that list is the tithe. You've heard it before. We've covered it in previous talks. What the Bible says, if you're not tithing, it says that you're robbing God. Also, the end result, if you were to track it, if you were to use Excel spreadsheet and track, my guess would be that, that you could probably identify that you lose the 10% anyway in extra things that you didn't plan on. But God promises that if we are faithful in the tithe, he will not only return that, but give us more. So... Um, and then another of these obligations that is an obligation are the minimum payments of your loans and debts. That's in the circle. That, that minimum payment is a hard number. There are requirements. It might change every month because credit cards are based on, you know, they go down a little, a little tiny bit. 
car loans, house loans are fixed. Um, but that needs to be in these numbers. And um, as you ask God, what do you think of that? If he says, no, I want you to give 10 more or 20 more, then you can put that in that circle. I mean, that, that's possibly a time when he might share that with you. The fourth step is one that uh, Claire and I learned from um, the author of the book um, Wealth, Riches, and Money, or something like that, Money, Wealth, Wealth, Riches, and Money. Um, he advocates that you also make a list of your financial and material wants. They're in your heart. You'd like to have that nicer car. You'd like to have those sodas. You'd like to have those that new pair of shoes. You'd like to be able to give that gift. You'd like to be able to have some funds for a date with your wife. Those are wants. And he advocates that we make a list of that. And we get real with ourselves. We get real with God. We kind of you know, open up, get a little bit vulnerable, get clear with ourselves, our spouse if we're married, and make a list. But then he also advocates then you do the same thing of asking God about them. Prioritize them as maybe they are for you, just kind of for fun. You know, okay, you know, that pair of shoes is really more important to me than that new pool. Plus, financially, I know that might be more reasonable. Maybe God will let me have them. I don't, I don't know. But, you know, so I, Claire and I prioritized, and then we did an A, B, and C, and then even within the A, B, and C, we prioritized with one, two, three, four, five. You know, I'm a detailed guy, so she's just kind of going along with me. But I liked it. It looked better to me. And then we went down the list. God, what do you think of this need? And the, oh, you have to put a price tag on it. Another column, <laughs> including the interest. That would, be, uh, that would be cool. No, you're not going to pay with interest. You're not going to do it with credit card. You're going to save up the money for it. That's what, we would adv- that's what he would advocate. That's what, I would, that's what Dave Ramsey would advocate. You, credit cards are gone. In, you know, loans are gone. So um, if the new shoes are 100 bucks. And God says, go for it, and you put it in your circle. And we're going to, just a minute, it doesn't mean you have the money to do that, but, that, but God said, okay, cool. Sometimes God just says, um, not now, later. Um, sometimes he's going to give it to you. That's, that's true. So I mean, some of the things that should be on this kind of a list, uh, you know, a family vacation each year, savings, retirement, gifts for family and friends. Uh, Claire and I have a figure for hospitality for the purpose of having people over to our home for meals and desserts. We have to build that in. I mean, if it's not there and we have people over two, three times a week, the grocery budget goes out over budget. So we either need to say, sorry, friends, you can come over for water or lemonade and cookies. That's what when Claire and I first married, we did it. We had popcorn and lemonade usually, right? Limeade or something like that, or oatmeal cookies, raisin cookies. That's a whole lot cheaper than a meal. It's even cheaper than them eating your leftovers. So Claire and I have it in our budget. Not saying anything about any of you. It, if you're carrying debt, you should put a figure down for paying an amount above your minimum payment. 
You should, what do I want? What would I like to do? Well, I'd like to pay, you know, $2,000 extra a month. Okay, cool. But I just want a number there. So God, what, what might that be? On my want list, Lord, I, I want a number that, uh, that you and I can work on. That I can watch you do something incredible to see accomplished. So that goes in there. Um, Okay, another uh, crucial element in this first circle draft, this whole thing of expenses, uh, Dave Ramsey recommends a $1,000 emergency fund for those things that come up. One of the reasons we use a credit card is because the car breaks down or dishwasher fails. There's things like that. $1,000 will not buy a new car, um, but it will fix a used one usually, uh, fix it even a few times uh, usually, um, there is an end of life for all things. Um, <laughs> dust to dust, ashes to ashes, and all that stuff. Sometimes you bury the car, Benjamin. Um, but uh, uh, God has done a great thing in providing them a, a newer used car, which is wonderful. See, God does his thing. And it's not over yet what he's going to do with that, Joy and Benjamin, I think. Um, anyway, $1,000 emergency fund, this, is, this enables you to stop using the credit cards, and when those emergency things come along, they're there. Um, you don't use the credit card, uh, but then you have to build back in the refurbishment, the, uh, the reimbursement, the uh, replenishment. There's a reword. The replenishment of that, that has to be uh, in the circle uh, somehow, so that needs to be there. Okay, finally, again, as I said, you, you just lay all this out before God and you just say, oh God, oh God, oh God, what, what do you want to do? And, and you listen and you hear, you get some counsel, some support perhaps, and you come up with your circle. Look at that, my next page is blank. I did not, but I can say that. I mean, <clears throat> if God says, yes, okay, verily, verily, truth be known, yes, that want is okay now, then you just um, you ask him how much a month I can spend to save up for that. So, again, you get a hard number for that, that item, and then that item goes in your closed circle. He's going to allow me to buy that pair of shoes. He's going to allow me to replace my car or whatever. God says yes to that. Or, again, you put it in the budget. But then when God, if God should show abundantly provide that and you didn't pay for it. Here's an example that the author gave in the book. Uh, he's a YWAM guy. And so he lives on a base with other YWAMers. And there was a gal who wanted a camera. She was going to be doing her you know, trip and she wanted pictures to be able to take and send home to those who had sent her on the trip and stuff like that. So she, she, she had in her mind a $200 camera. And so she was, had a closed circle. Uh, he was working with her, and uh, she saved up. She had the $200 in hand, and the next day or that week or something, someone came into the YWAM base and said, is there anyone here who needs a camera? I have a camera I'd like to donate to someone on the base who needs it. And it got to her, and it ended up being a $700 camera with lenses and tripod and all that stuff. So now she's got an extra 200 bucks. Hot dog. What else can she go buy? No. God, what do you want to do with that money? Oh, that guy needs, is missing $200 to go on his, his mission trip. 
I got an extra 200 bucks in my pocket. She gives it to him. All of that guy got $700 in his Go God account. She gets $200 in her account. Bless and treasure in heaven. And on and on they go. So, again, that's God's kingdom. Now, no, I, I can't promise you you're going to get a, you know, a free used car to replace your used one. But, uh, but it can happen. Um, Claire and I have had that blessing a few times, actually. When we were missionaries once, we got given a little Toyota. Cute little car. Until the transmission went out and we had to use a quart of fluid for every 100 miles. Anyway, we, we sold it and we communicated the problem. And then we get a call from the police about a week later that it's you know, stalled somewhere because it had run out of transmission fluid. And uh, Anyway, I said, it's not mine. Sorry. Okay, uh, let me wrap this up. I need to get through with this stuff. Okay, we've talked about um, the list of financial material wants. You've got your categories and expenses. The fifth step now is to do the hard part of comparing income to the total in your circle. Okay, so you've got the circle with expenses, and it totals some number, and you've, you've paid attention. You know what your revenue is, your uh, projected revenue based on income and that. It's hard. Some, of, some jobs are hard. You're paid commission and stuff, and it's a little hard to do that. But if you do it l- long enough, if you have the history, you can, you can come up with the number usually. So there's three possible scenarios when you do that. First, income is greater than expenditures. And for most of us, that's not very likely. Uh, another one is that income is equal to expenditures, which is also probably not likely. And the more likely example is that income is going to be less than expenditures. And so we're faced with what do we do? Well, one, we need to stop spending more than we're making. So we have a closed circle that God has agreed to. But on paper, I don't have enough money to pay that, to cover that circle. One thing that's going to happen is you are now alert to how you're spending your money and when you miss because you've got something to compare to. You have I said, this is how much I need. I've answered the question, how much is enough? Now, when God were to bless and pour in, he's got a container that's got a cap on it. Before, you had a cup. I can't do it. You had a cup with a hole in the bottom. That's really strong. Get it? It really doesn't matter how much God pours in. Your cup's got holes in it. You can't see 2 Corinthians 9 happen without closing the circle. Now, we're talking about dealing with debt, but how do you get there? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you. So... But if we have this closed circle, we can now track when God fills it up. That inheritance that comes in, that cash rebate, that, I don't, you know, all the things, the way, I mean, there are hundreds of ways that God does this. A new job with a pay raise. A new stool loan. No, 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 that's not, that doesn't work. Actually, no, never mind, I won't go to that story. Okay. So, um, but the goal that God wants for us, now that we have a closed circle, 
He doesn't just want to fill it and meet that. He's agreed to this. But his goal is to overflow that so that once you get the amount of money coming in that's enough, which includes loan payments and perhaps even, you know, uh, more than a minimum amount of payment, is that now you have something to give. And when you do that, then he can pour more. If he sees that you're faithful, they've got a closed circle. They're stewarding the money I'm giving them well. I'm going to give them more because it's not going to just go through their cup and into the ground. Claire and I have not lived with a closed circle. We did the exercise in May and it has been a fight. Not a fight between us. It has been hard. A struggle. And, and circumstances arose that, that pushed us over even. And we had to make a somewhat drastic step. That I'm sorry we did, but we did. So that we could get to a place where we can live with that closed circle. So... We need to recognize that if our income is less than expenditures, we get an opportunity to pray, to seek God, and to watch for his answers to provide. And then tell the story as a testimony of God's goodness and faithfulness and encourage someone else that a closed circle works, because I believe it will. We need to stop spending more than we're making. We need to stop using credit cards to bail us out. I believe that if we're willing to use it, closing the circle will aid us to become more financially responsible. It will demonstrate faithfulness to God, which will allow him to provide and bless. As I've said, when the extra money comes in, we'll know how to spend it, rather than being, having it lost in frivolous spending. With a, without the closed circle... God's blessings of extra money is spilled on the ground. It's trampled. Rather than becoming seed to sow for a later harvest. So we're talking about dealing with debt with the goal that having our finances in order will allow God to give us more so that it will be released for his kingdom purposes. Let me give you a a quick, quickly, I think I can do this pretty quickly and we'll be done. Let me give you a plan for decreasing debt as presented by Dave Ramsey. Um, Dave Ramsey's not God, you know. Uh, he's not the only financial advisor out there. Um, he is one of many. He is a Christian. He has a lot of good resources. Uh, much of his material is biblically based. Uh, some of his suggestions are wisdom that he has learned. Um, some of it, all of it needs to be prayed about, assessed, just like you would any other educational material that's presented to you. You need to hear God. You need to get wisdom and counsel for yourself. One of his steps for uh, towards financial responsibility and financial freedom, he calls uh, the the debt uh, snowball plan. Um, This is essentially what I described earlier, which is to have if you if you can get to where you've got a little bit extra to put towards paying more than the minimum payment on one of your loaner payment. I'm sorry. When we have a little bit left over, often we think that we should pay off the highest interest rate debt. 
That, that's kind of the norm. Okay, I've got a 20% interest rate and I've got an 8 doesn't really matter how much I owe on them. It feels like if I've got an extra 30 bucks, I should pay towards the 20% interest because it's costing me so much. However, um, while that probably might work in math, it doesn't work at a reality level. And Ramsey suggests that you select the lowest debt amount to pay off first, creating momentum in a debt snowball. Here's what he says. The math seems to lean more toward paying the highest interest debts first, but what I've learned is that personal finance is 20% head knowledge and 80% behavior. You need some quick wins in order to stay pumped enough to get out of debt completely. When you start knocking off the easier debts, you will start to see results and you'll start to win in debt reduction. The principle of the debt snowball plan is to stop everything except minimum payments and focus on one thing at a time. List your debts in order with the smallest payoff or balances first. Don't be concerned. This is Ramsey. I'm just quoting from his website. Uh, Don't be concerned with interest rates or terms unless two debts have similar payoffs. Then list the higher interest rate debt rate first. The goal is to attack and eliminate the smallest debt first, still maintaining payments on everything else. Do what's necessary to keep, to focus your attention. Keep stepping up to the next larger bill as you pay off the lower ones. Paying these little debts off first gives you quick feedback and you're more likely to stay with the plan. I remember a time when um, one of Claire's and my senior pastors uh, sat down with us. He was a financially free man. Uh, very responsible, good savings accounts, all of that, worked hard, kind of a deal. Sat down with us. We talked through our circumstances and our situations. And at the end of it, when he had our commitment for the tithe, which we had not been doing at that point, and numerous other things, he wrote us a check for the lowest amount, the lowest debt. To get one of them off the table. I think it was 1500 bucks. might have been $2,000. i am not quite sure. might have been 1000 But, I mean, it wasn't $100. And Claire and I got out of debt once. Got out of consumer debt once as a result of that support and help. God is gracious. If we'll get to the table, if we'll welcome him to look at our finances and say, Papa, this isn't real good. I haven't been making the best decisions. But I want to live in 2 Corinthians 9. I don't want to spend the rest of my life living in the world's economic system. I like yours better. He'll, he'll deal with that. He'll meet you. Now, I, I know some of you guys' circumstances is way over what I'm describing. I think I'm describing the average American. Some of your circumstances are quite extreme. And I believe that the Father would want to do something extreme for you. And I've prayed for that and will continue to. Let me give you just a quick kind of picture of this snowball deal. Say you've got three credit cards. Yeah, credit card one has a minimum payment of $45. It has an interest rate of 17%, and it has a balance of 1500 
Yeah? Yeah. Credit card two, you got a minimum payment of $15. 8% interest, balance four fifty. Credit card three, you've got a minimum payment of 105. Interest is 12%, balance is 3500 Honestly, the interest rate's irrelevant, but I put it here just kind of for foo-foo because we often look at it. Okay, then you've got a car loan. Minimum payment's 365, interest rate six, balance is 12000 And you've got a school loan. Bless God, it's not very high. Minimum payment's $45, interest is 4%, balance is 8000 Your monthly minimum payments that's in your circle is 575 Let's say that you have closed your circle. You've gotten rid of the half-hour sodas. You're not going to buy those shoes. You've tightened the belt, so to speak, and you've got 20 bucks extra to pay towards those payments. 20 bucks. Not much, but hey, it's 20 bucks. Which card or loan are you going to pay off first with that extra 20? Credit card two. Why? Lowest balance. Okay? And here's what that will look like. You start paying now $35 each month instead of that minimum of 15. So instead of 33 months to pay that off, you get it done in 14. Now, 14 still sounds like a long time. But hey, it's better than 33. 20 bucks wasn't very much. Cut your length of time essentially in half. What do you do next? You got 35 extra. You start paying off the next one. You celebrate. Go out to dinner. No, you uh, have juice and lemonade and popcorn. Okay, so now you don't have 20 anymore. You've got 35. My guess is God has probably in those 22 months has probably or 14 months has probably done some more work for you and you're probably paying this off. Um, but anyway, we won't go there. Um, but this is this is the way this works. So you list your debts in order, smallest balance paying off. Uh, each time that you pay off a credit card or loan, you're freed up more money to pay off the next one faster. Eventually, you're going to wipe them all out. Pay them all off. Okay, 175. Nope, back up. Okay, so eventually you're going to pay off all those credit cards. You're going to pay off the loan in school. And, you know, it's 10 years later maybe. I don't know how long it's been. But at some point in time, you now have $575 per month to apply to your house payment extra. Or, Papa, how do you want me to spend this? Okay, 175 now goes to benevolence, and you're just giving that to those in need. Or 100 bucks to a missionary and 25 or whatever. But God says, I want you to pay $400 a month. I think I'm going to... No, I have it there. Yeah, that's what's next. Okay, so let's go back to our $100,000 home. It took me a while. Go ahead and click. The, you know what? I, maybe I didn't put this one on the screen or I deleted it. It's not there, huh? Okay. I'll have to just talk you through it. I was finishing this this morning at 4. Um, but anyway, so back to the house, $100,000 house. 
I had to actually go find some fairly significant uh, calculator, mortgage calculators to help me do this, but I believe these numbers are correct. $100,000, 6% interest, monthly payment, $599. you have been paying it for 10 years. Your balance is now $83,322. Instead of five, instead of $600, you're now going to pay $1,000 a month, $400 of the extra. Instead of finishing, let's say that I, I picked the date of 1999 as the start of the loan. It's 2009 now, 10 years ago, you started the loan. God's grace to you, you've gone through. Um, you would have finished paying off the loan in 2029, 30 years there. Instead, now, having paid the extra 400 starting at year 10, you're going to pay it off in the year 2018, 11 years early. Free and clear house. And instead of a total of 215838 or the additional $115,000 of interest, the total is only going to be one eighty-one. It's a savings of $35,000, which can go into God's kingdom instead of onto the trash, onto the floor. Okay, one more last thing. I said that a minute ago, but honestly, this is the last one. Uh, we've talked a lot about dealing with debt, and, and um, Mariana's going to, over the next few weeks, couple weeks after next week, um, it's going to go f- finish this out for us. But uh, we've talked a lot about how the debt works. I want to give you a, a, just a little picture of how the interest works on the investment side for us. Let's say, and then this is for particularly for you younger folks. Let's say that you would like to have a million dollars at age 60. A million bucks. Age 60. At age 15, Mercy, you're 16. You could get in on this. At age 16, 50 cents a day, which is $15.21 a month when you prorate it over 52 weeks and da-da-da-da, an annual in payment of $182.50, a total investment if you make 50 cents a day until you're 60, you'll have invested $8,213. And at age 60, you'll have a million dollars on a 10% interest growth rate, which is a little hard to get right now. It's hard to get. But, okay, say so you end up with 500000 You invested eight grand. You got 500000 50 cents a day, Mercy. Okay, you're not 15 anymore? 20. Let's try 20. I want a million bucks. I'm age 20. I want a million bucks uh, at when I'm 60. A dollar a day now. $30 a month. $365 a year. A total investment of $14,600. $15,000 and you'll have a million bucks with a, a good interest rate. Without a crash in the stock market. I'm, okay, I'm just... Whether you do this and have a million bucks or not, this is a lesson in interest. Working for us, but just the world system. This isn't God's multiplication system. Times 20, times 10, times 100, multifold. This is just the world system. All right, you're not 20 anymore, you're 30. Five bucks a day. 152 bucks a month. That's quite a bit. 
$1,800 a year, an investment of $55,000. You're 30. An investment of $55,000 will get you a million bucks at age 60. Sorry, I didn't do 40 and 50 because I don't think any of us have the money. It gets a little bit harder to get accomplished the older you are with the less years. Mariana pointed out that the number of years really helps with multi-compounded interest. But Daddy has a way. You're absolutely right. But to experience this, we have to learn and live according to God's ways. To live in His principles will be much more than that. It will have eternal treasure and eternal benefit. But we've got to put into practice, we've got to learn and understand and implement living according to God's ways, which includes knowing that God is our source. It requires breaking the influence of the spirit of mammon. It involves closing our circle. It involves tithing. It involves getting out of debt. It needs to involve giving, investment in God's kingdom, and storing up treasure in heaven. There is a way to live in God's realm rather than the world. Then, God is able to make all grace come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work. Abundance. Every. Always. For every good work and charitable donation that you will be enriched in all things. We're talking about finances. But this is, this is just a piece of God's system. Then you will be enriched in all things and in every way so that you can be generous and your generosity will bring forth thanksgiving to God. Let's pray. Papa, we need your help. Most of us in this room find ourselves on the wrong side of the financial table. We're not the lenders and givers. We're not able to give to every good work. We're strapped, we're tight, We're anxious, we're scared, we're overwhelmed. And we need your help. Lord, we got a little bit of head knowledge here. Maybe we've got a smidgen more than when I started this morning. But the bigger deal, Lord, is implementation. is to take a step to welcome you into our finances. To stop hiding and running. 
to open up the paper and say, Papa, the math doesn't work. Would you help me? Would you show me what to do? Would you help me close my circle? Would you help me figure out how much is enough? And then would you meet it? So that there would be overflow. Because that's how you want me to live. That's what I would want for my children. And I know it's what you want for us. Father, we're each in very different places, I'm sure, generally similar. But I welcome you to deal with each of our hearts, each of our minds, each of our emotions. Finances is a tough topic. We live in tough times. There's less money now than there was to use towards these ends. But God, it isn't based on what's the circumstances around us. It's based on your kingdom principles. Oh God, that we would become a church of folks who live according to your principles. Who might someday still be in this building 15 years from now paying $4,400 a month but giving away $15,000 a month to missions. I don't know what you would have for us as a church to demonstrate this to the world. But Lord has got to start with us individually. We can't get there as a church if we don't get there individually. So I pray that you'd help us get to the table on this. In Jesus' name. Claire, I don't know where to go other than that. Ministry, prayer. I think we all need it. (laughs) But that was that prayer. I guess we'll just do like normal. Um, If you would like prayer for this topic, your circumstances, if you'd like someone to um, agree with you that God would come and help you to see these things implemented, then I would welcome you to come to the front. Uh, if some of the folks who are ready and able to pray for others would come up first. makes it easier for those who would like to come. If uh, those of you are here at the front praying um, after others are done, you want to turn and help each other, that was always good. And um, so that's what we're going to do. Thanks for coming. Have a great week. Um, If you want to pray for people, come on up. If you would like prayer for this, any other issues, topics. This is maybe not what's, um, what's really pressing for you. That's okay. We're here to minister to that as well. God be with you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.